You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Oh, it's fun. Crazy. It's painful, but it's wonderful. What is the name? It's Roycey Unchained. All right, it is Roycey Unchained. Patrick, how are you doing today? I am all right. I just finished a column for Wednesday, so I'm happy. Uh, Glenn Steinmore's 91st birthday. Middle of a pandemic, uh, of course, uh, he, he died five years ago, but uh, one of the great, you, you didn't have that much opportunity to deal with him. You were a little younger, but you would have loved him. One of the great stories. As, as I say in the column, the only thing better than Sonmore's storytelling were people telling stories about Sonmore, <laughs> which, uh, which is uh, how this all came about. I was talking to Dave Filoni, uh who was Glenn's, student manager with the Gopher hockey team way back in the late 60s. And then, uh, of course, worked with the fighting, was the PR guy for the Fighting Saints during those raucous years of the Fighting Saints. Somebody, by the way, we should do, and I think we're letting it pass here, the Fighting Saints, most playoff, a famous playoff series ever, mm-hmm. was uh, 74 against the Houston Arrows. Uh, some fantastic brawls took place in that one, and the in the uh, you know in the in the arrows had all all the Howe brothers. The 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 the, fight, the North Stars were terrible, so there was about a two week period when the Fighting Saints actually owned the hockey market here, and they had their first sellouts and everything like that. And uh, some great stories about that that I didn't get into. Did I mention the Harpo Bolt story before? I don't know. That uh, Harpo, you know, was their goon, goon of goons. He was in Slapshot, right? He, he was one of the characters, I think. Okay. Need, I think he was one of the actors in it. But Harpo and a guy named John Shella were in the uh, penalty box together, and basically Harry Neal, the Saints coach, signaled to uh, Harpo to jump him when they got out of the box, you know, to beat the crap out of him. But... Uh, you know, so they gave each of them five minutes or something, and Shell is like, why did he? I didn't do anything. He just jumped me. And Harpo said, no, nah, he wasn't. But then they found Harpo's sticks and gloves still in the penalty box. <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't even, he didn't even bother to put his sticks and gloves out. So they said, okay, you're out of here, Harpo. It, it doesn't seem like you came out of here with good intents because you didn't put your sticks or your gloves out of there. But anyway, I started a couple of sidebar stories, and I said I was going to talk about it. And uh, one, of, one of them I did get in, but his favorite hockey player ever was Mike Antonovich, you know. Yep. Uh, he loved him as a golfer. He loved him as a saint. And Anton, by his own admission, wasn't much of a scholar. And, uh, in fact, Glenn's first wife, Marge, was basically Jan Gangelhoff before Jan ever, before we ever heard of Jan. I don't think Anton ever submitted a paper that wasn't written by most. Uh, 
uh, Meyer Sidebar, and and he was almost a son to the to them. But uh, so Fluff was uh, the student manager, Dave Ferroni, and 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 Glenn calls him up on on one morning and says, "Okay, let's go clean out the locker room. We got to clean out the locker room, uh, you know, because the season's over and blah blah blah. We're cleaning out to make sure the locker's all empty." He says, Fluff says every locker was empty." Except Anton's, all his books were in there. <laughs> they hadn't been moved all winter. They were nice. No need for them. No need for them to have his books, right? And the stories were so good, that one didn't even get in. So, uh, anyway, yeah, he had the books. And uh, I talked to Anton a couple days ago, and he was uh, making jokes about his own uh, academic. Uh, you know, the famous story on that is Glenn's trying to get him eligible uh, to get because remember he had to get out of general, general college after two years. You know, you had to go; they had to find a college to place you in somewhere at the university, mm-hmm. and they and they couldn't find anyone to take Antonovich. So his uh, academic, uh, you know, he was probably a D plus or something, and none of the colleges would take him. And uh, and Glenn finally got him into the ag school, across, you know, at St. Paul. And it, apparently, Sidemore always told the story that it was agricultural re- re- a recreation was what he got him into. Yeah. <laughs> and major, and Anton's famous line was, all I do, walk cows? <laughs> so anyway, he used it downstairs. Sidemore is was the world's greatest storyteller, but the stories about Sidemore are even funnier than the ones he told about other people. So anyway, it was uh, the, the the one nice thing about the pandemic is you can get away with writing talents like this out of nowhere. You know? Oh hell yeah! Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're looking for, you're looking for the freebies, and uh, you know this is this could be a, you know Dave Ferroni. Uh, worked, uh, you know, he was with Sonmore at the Gophers and then he was with the Fighting Saints and then he was at, and then he had 40 years in auto racing and, uh, you know, he was at the, he was Herbie's guy at Lake Placid in 1980, the PR guy there. So, uh, and John Mariucci's his uncle. So, uh, oh, I didn't could, know that. Uh, he, he, he could write a book. Yeah, he could write himself a book if he wanted to. So, about the characters he's met, that's for sure. Hey, so what, what were the Fighting Saints like as far as how much during their, their uh, especially first existence, did they catch on? Well, uh, it was the, the, the old St. Paul, Minneapolis thing was still pretty vibrant then, and this was like St. Paul's attempt to, uh, you know, they're not going to let those SOPs have everything. So they built the Civic Center, and all they needed a tenant for it, and they, uh, the, the WHA came along, and they, you know what happened? The good fortune to them was that the North Stars went in the tank, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the North Stars were, it wasn't that when they started trading guys and bringing in, you know, making these lousy three-for-one trades, just basically to see, you know, they could get Doug Rombo and guys like that. Yep. Isn't that the yeah and and right away they they the the Saints their first half a year I believe which would have been seventy two seventy three or was it seventy one seventy two I don't and uh, their first half a year they played in the old St Paul Auditorium and that didn't draw many people they 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 didn't catch on right away but 
72-73, they got some, you know, and they got that Shaky Walton, who was the most dynamic player in town, and Davy Keon they had for a while. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, not not the Davy Keon that was a Hall of Famer. If I, he was older by then, but uh, yeah, they were, you know, it's just just the size of the market. Uh, those West suburbanites that we see streaming into St. Paul to watch the Wild now, they didn't make it over the other So you were right on. Basically, the east side of St. Paul, and that was never a, uh, you know, you couldn't charge big league places in St. Paul. That was that was one of the big problems, and ownership was always a problem because they they uh, they, they were never properly backed financially. <laughs> There's some great stories about that too, but <laughs> including, <laughs> including the scoop in the St. Paul paper that kept getting. Yeah, the, more yeah, and more brief. Yeah, the Teamsters, uh, the reason Teamsters were going to bail them out. And by the end, Charlie Holman's telling me, you got to pull that story. I'm like, you'd be killed. <laughs> anyway, but another thing, I've heard this one before, but when the Saints, you know, the, uh, the, Sodmore <laughs> after a while it took to answer the phone, if you, if he, it was his private, you know, if he knew you were calling him and not, Somebody important, but uh, he used to call them the folding saints. <laughs> and they had a little room there at the arena that they called the folding room where they'd meet and discuss how they were going to make the next payroll. But uh, but the other thing in those years is, is it, you know, Mike Lamey worked there, so he worked there and they distribute the checks, and it would be a sprint to the Western Bank to get them. the first. Like the first ten people there would get their checks covered, and then the others they didn't have enough money left in the account. But the, the other legend is Marge had this was when Glenn was drinking. I think he sobered up finally the last time in '84 and became a big crusader. Mm-hmm. But Marge, they were under orders not to give Glenn his check <laughs> to only hand it to Marge, oh. the wife. Because Glenn couldn't be trusted with it. Oh and, no! Uh, yeah. Once in a while, once in a while, Glenn would talk to guy into giving him the check. Anyway, he was uh, he was he was hilarious. Uh, he managed to maintain his uh, uh, hilarity even after he became sober. So, mm-hmm. which is you know not not quite the same, but not quite as funny as he was when he was drinking. But I told you the story about the Luigi's when we're going across the street and the, we're all rushing over to last call in the blizzard and there's this guy reaching for the door that doesn't make it. He's faced out of the snow. We flip him over and it's the GM of the fighting stage, Glenn Sagan. Yeah. We pick him up, we pick him up, take him in, put a couple of hot brandies at him. And uh, then uh, we take him up to the cap towers and feed him breakfast. About halfway through breakfast, he becomes coherent and starts telling us what a bunch of jerks we are for not giving the Saints more publicity. It was a Saint, was a Saint Paul paper. It was great. God, I love him. Oh, I love that guy. He was, he was fantastic. Well, but, uh, as, as you old hockey guys, yeah. old hockey guys, you can't beat them. People say I'm not a hockey guy, but I'm an old hockey guy. I love those. I mean, Louis, God Almighty, Louis, Louis is an all-time character, and he's he likes to be in the top five for that group, you know, for those people. So it's uh, it's grabbing Wook. Wook was Wook was probably our last link to the old time. 
probably. You know, as far as yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, character that just was a goofball. Unless yeah. there's yeah. like a high school type of guy now who's still mm-hmm. around, you're probably right. Woog's probably the last one. Yeah, the last one with the with the great sense of humor and a little fiddles. Well, you know, well, like Wooger would take the they'd take a team bus to Houghton, Michigan. What was his dad's name? What was his dad's name? And the dad and mom would always come along mm-hmm. on the bus. And like Mike Crowley and those guys would make sure that dad had a 12-pack to, to drink on the way back from Houghton. You know, the players were like getting the beer for the, uh, you know, now, you know, those who were the upperclassmen were having a beer on the bus they'd raise. Hell, it wouldn't have to be upper class, but now most of them are 21. So. But the bus on the beer, that would be a big, I mean, uh, beer on the bus yeah. would be a big scandal. The scandal today, it was just part of it. It was just a, really a cult. It was a nice little cult of uh, they, all the parents knew each other, all the players, you know. it was, And the, the coaches were their buddies. And Oh, Wanda, that was his mother, Wanda, I think. And, uh, I was writing a piece about Wooger when they retired his arena. And, and they'd be up in this room. They'd get, you know, like everybody, the parents that were on the road and everybody, they'd go up to Wooger's little room up there and he'd have drinks up there. And Wooger comes walking in there after a game somewhere in Michigan Tech or some Duluth or someplace. And Wanda's sitting there. She says, Wooger, if you don't change that first line, you're going to get No, I think you're probably right. Drinking beer, drinking beer in the dodge room, and uh, you know, the parents. You see, unfortunately, for him, he came along in the generation where the parents were all mad that you were keeping, you were preventing them from going to the NHL. Right? So I don't think Wooger had that problem. He had, I'm sure, had a problem with some parents, but you know, not, not, not. It, it was a completely different. Uh, provide stories now like who i'm just trying to think in sports who gives who provides stories who's below the age of 60 now that's the trouble you know that is the trouble who's gonna uh you know you know trouble me but it's a different level of stuff but uh you know that it's a little more than uh, one thing you can't you can't, there's not enough access now to be the fan, and we're always going to overhear one and then to see it, you know. Yep. You know, and sometimes they say don't write that, and sometimes they do, but, uh, yeah, I don't know where they're coming from. Gardy is one of the, you know, he's the, one of the last vestiges of that, right? Rocco's, Rocco could tell you a hundred stories, but he's not going to. No, no. No, I mean, they have stories. Every, everybody who ever played the Bayern League has stories, they just don't share them with you. You know, and there's less appetite for them in among readers too, don't you think? They want to. They want 280 characters. They don't want. Uh, yeah, probably. They don't want stories. You know. So, but uh, yeah, that, that's. I mean, that was the. That's the greatest fun of, of of being a sports writer is when you get when you you, you know when somebody starts 
telling stories about guys they met on the way up or stuff like that or great incidents. I mean, this whole thing is based on the day that they're up in Duluth and somebody grabs Anton's stick or Anton's stick or jersey or something and Sidebar goes in the stands and doesn't get thrown out of the game. <laughs> fights with the Duluth fans, gets his shirt ripped off, coaches the rest of the game and leaves the ice, you know. <laughs> at the wrong time as a coach, Boudreaux. If Boudreaux wanted to, he could have been great. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think he probably still would be if you just sat out and BS with him for an hour, but it doesn't work that way anymore. Right. You know, they give act. There's so much media now that they give their access after practice, and, you know, and you're not going to just, you know, run into him or show up and talk to him for an hour. It's not about it. Topic, you know, it's you just yes. You know, one of the great last great yes sessions I had. Well, not one of the last great, but that was with Childress in uh, 07 when he was trying to change his image. Remember after his Oh yeah, oh yeah. He came in and he, he came in and he was going to be Lombardi, and then he got beat the hell and had a bad decent, you know, a bad year, and he got beat the hell and. And I didn't really know him. I only knew him from press conferences and stuff. But he was having these media sessions with various people around town. He, he was going to give everybody an hour before training camp started, like in early July or something. And I went out there, and he started telling Mike White stories. <laughs> and they were fantastic, you know, about being a gladness. It was It was old time, sit around BS with the coach stuff, talking about Mike. You know, Mike White and uh, his creative recruiting that ended up getting banned for life, I think. <laughs> and they, 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 oh, they got a big shot, yeah. But, but, but uh, you know, Chili was his was grand assistant. He was in charge of getting the vehicles down, making sure that the hotshot recruit got the right vehicle. And he, he let some guy get a purple T-top <laughs> Nissan XZ or something, and Mike White went nuts. You know, he wanted him to have like a six-year-old pickup. <laughs> like good fellows when the guy shows up with the new car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing with that car? This guy, this guy shows up. And, but Chili oh, said he started in May, and by November he was talking to the NCAA Infractions Committee. <laughs> you know, he was being interviewed as a grad assistant. <laughs> NCAA. He was, you know. I don't know. You had a good relationship for a while, for a, with him for a while, and then it went, went south. But uh, I, I think he's, he's – a lot of people think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. I, thought he, I think he's an okay guy. Oh, I don't think he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't think he's a great coach. But he was he's like all of me. He was paranoid, you know. Yeah. So, I I talked to him the other day for He's in Fort Myers now. He's got a or Bonita. He's got a place down there, but he's uh, he lives out here in Mountain now because he's got grandkids in the Twin Cities. Is he still doing stuff for the Bears, or is that done? No, he's done. He says he's officially retired. He's only sixty-four or something like that. Probably made he's enough money. Retired. The Wills had to pay him off. 
After they fired him because yeah. they signed no extension. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They did give him an extension. And they yeah, fired him. I'm always, I'm always happy to see an NFL guy walk away with all the money he could possibly get his hands on. So, uh, our 12 draft choices here, uh, what, uh, they got the ammunition to move up if they want to, don't they? Oh, yeah, if they want to. Rick ordinarily likes to move back, but they with 22 and 25 and five picks in the first three rounds, they definitely do. Even though we've been advised by uh, cerebral uh, sports columnists not to draft my need, if you got a chance to move up 10 spots and get the best offensive lineman in the draft, I don't know if there's a goal one, but if there is, go get him. Oh, there's tackles. That's what they need. There's tackles. Huh? There's left tackles. There's tackles out there. Yeah, no, they could. Nope. But go get them because you can get receivers in the third round. Uh-huh. Can't, you know, you, you've already experimented with signing third string free agents and, and later round draft races on your offensive line and it hasn't worked. Go get, go get the best offensive line that you can get in this draft and, uh, because that, that need is, there's a lot more corner, cornerbacks and there's endless receivers that's been built. Yeah, no, they could definitely if they if they wanted to go up, let's say to about I don't know eleven or twelve, they definitely could. I think without a problem. But yeah, yeah, well, they got they they have to get a tackle at some point. What are the Trent Williams rumors? I saw a headline, but I didn't have time to go read it. What are what are the rumors on him now? Uh, it sounds like they might be dead because he's he's being I think Cleveland's involved in uh, negotiations, and it sounds like the Vikings were definitely talking to Washington about Williams, but that might be that might be dead. But that's been my guy. I'd go get him. He wants too much money. Or yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I think it's not the compensation that Washington would get back. I think it's the money that he wants. But he's 31. If I could plug him in for four years, I'd be perfectly happy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to take a shot, you got to. Oh, it's cousins. 31, right? Cousins. 31. 30ish. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is you gotta. You know, you can't give him a new contract and then not give him somebody who can. You know, keep, you know, the one thing you can't handle is pressure. Right. And blindside because he can't you feel know. it. That's what I keep saying. Yeah. Get him a left tackle. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the sexy thing is receivers, but I don't think there's any way they draft a receiver in the first round, you, unless they Well, here's my question. If they do, are they going to throw him the football? Because that's why Diggs was pissed off. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Well, that OP, uh, and, uh, oh, uh, Beckham rumor didn't last long, huh? That, that always seems silly, didn't it? No, but Pat, it was the greatest thing to happen to score North, maybe oh, ever. Oh, God, yes. Did we run with that sucker? And, and, and it could light off a tremendous debate among the fans. Here's what I love. We're afraid to bring him in because he might disrupt the chemistry. What chemistry? This team has no chemistry. Half of them hate the quarterback. Okay, they don't have any chemistry. You know, this whole, we don't want to disrupt the chemistry. They, you know, Zim is not a chemistry guy, is he? Zim is a hard-nosed old Yeah, Zim's an old-school football guy. They don't, they don't rely on chemistry. But he don't want to throw they the football, want. you know? He wants to run, <laughs> yeah. he wants Delvin to run left, run right, and run up the middle. And uh, Dalvin is, uh, you know, they. I think they got to sign him, but they'll, they'll probably regret it. Dalvin, Dalvin, 
get all you can right now. Yeah. You know, all all you can guaranteed right now, and it's, it, they're not going to pay you much at the end. Don't worry about it because it's uh, it's going to be uh, they're going to let you go after three after they use you up in three more years. They're going to let you go anyway. When do you think they're starting training camp? What's your guess, or the season for that matter? I don't know. I was optimistic when I talked to you guys yesterday on the the Rami with. But uh, I uh, I now after reading everything today, I'm less optimistic. Well, we're opening we're opening some southern states while their numbers are spiking, so I don't know that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, we're just gonna worry about. Yeah, that that is. Uh, you know, that, that's uh, we should instead of stopping trying to keep keep people coming here from uh, Mexico and China, we could. You start trying to keep them coming here from Texas and Florida and uh, and uh, Dixie. You know, those guys are going to be. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it is really weird uh, what the heck's going on. But I don't have any guess. But I when when are they supposed to start? They won't have mini camps, but yeah, I bet they start. I I bet by the end of July they can practice. Here's the thing: what are they going to do? Well, I mean, are they going to have to have less? I, you know, you can't play football with six feet of spacing, so I know that's what makes it impossible. Right. This is why you can play golf. Golf is realistic. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can, if you want to play uh, golf and only let 5,000 people in. By the way, did you see uh, Susan Slusher's piece on uh, in the San Francisco Chronicle? No. About, catcher, about catchers? No. And Suzuki was one of the guys quoted. You know, this whole, you know, this whole pandemic thing and blah, blah, blah. Suzuki says, do you know how many times in a game a catcher gets spit on? Oh. <laughs> you know, he had 20. You know, basically he was talking about, you know, they're just, you know, they're just germ collectors, catcher, because all that guys spitting and kicking dirt and, you know, with, you know, chewing. And, uh, it was, it's a pretty good piece on the, uh, what are you going to do in the, Post pandemic to keep catchers from, you know, having, you know, guys who've had the virus spit on them, you know. So. Electronic catchers, Pat. Not just electronic umpires. We'll develop the electronic catcher. Good, good idea. Good thing. I've got the ball. Here's it back to you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can they, uh, can they turn around and look at the umpire if they don't agree with the call or the electronic umpire? I don't know if they can do that. I don't know what the hell. We, none of us know anything. We, we Correct. Uh, offer opinions, but none of us have any idea what the hell is going on. All right. You got any final thoughts before we wrap it up here? Uh, I once again missed the Jordan. Did we have a Jordan episode last night? No, no. It's every again? it's every Sunday, ten hours, two hours a night for the next four weeks now to get up to the ten. And then we had six million people watch. Huh? Wow! Well, they listen. It is a genius to release it now. They had to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. But uh, you know, agitated about this. I'm not. I'm just not that interested. Okay. All right. I said that to you guys. Yet, yeah. so I'm not that interested. Did you watch it? Yeah, it was good. It's good stuff. Okay. But I'm also very, but, very bored. Well, that's. I have nothing else to. I literally have nothing to do right now. I told Don no, I'm doing uh, two hours of TV time. That was it. <laughs> Tell me this. I guess I gotta go a little bit. What? How are we covering the draft? The media. 
Um, I mean, the Vikings, Vikings going to put them on Zoom or something? You know what? I haven't seen the plans yet. That's a really good question. I, I don't know. My guess is that they'll Zoom they'll zoom the beat writers and columnists probably and do something wow. post-first round with Spielman and them. That's my guess. Holy cow. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? The world is just not that much a locker room with us access and stuff. They'll do... They're going to use this as a great excuse to keep us out of the clubhouses and oh, locker rooms. I'll tell you that. You are correct. I mean, for years, years on, for years, yep. not just the rest of this year. Yep. Years, uh, the honeymoon's over. We don't have any storytellers, and we can't. And if we did, we could be in there to listen to the stories. So, unreal. All right. All right. Thank you. We Patrick. weren't very unchained today. We were just. Uh, no, we were okay. just. Uh, we're just telling stories. Good stories right. are better. I'll talk to you later. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here for my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. 